about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show podcast edition here on Westwood One, powered by CRTV. Available via subscription in places like iTunes and Stitcher. And if you haven't subscribed, please do so. Also, if you haven't yet left us a positive review, we would really appreciate that. You might be like, well, Dace, I, I can't stand you guys. Cool. Don't lie. Just maybe, you know, keep that to yourself and move along. Yeah, just we're trying to feed our families here and we understand that we're not really that good at this, and we're certainly not, you know, uh, people of mass appeal when it comes to mass uh, to likability. So do us a solid, and you know, just kind of mosey on along. And uh, for those of you in the scant minority of Americans that are willing to tolerate us, if you, if you, that's right, I'm looking at all seven of you right now. If you wouldn't mind leaving us a positive review, I appreciate that. I, and I don't want to speak for you, Todd and Aaron, but I think you would appreciate that as well. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to need you to write a review on Saturday. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's not that I'm lazy, guys. It's that we just don't care. <laughs> yes. Oh, let's get to it. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. We just wrapped up the Dace Group Roundtable for CRTV, taking a look back at the week that was. We had a brand new panelist this week, our very own Ali Stuckey, a new member of the team here at CRTV, provided a providing the feminine perspective that we lack. So, gentlemen, let's give the audience a little tease of what's to come later today on the Dace Group. What stood out to you, Todd? Well, you managed to break her in on the show where you talked about crushed testicles, so we'll see if she comes back a second time. <laughs> nice. There's con- there's context. There's legit context, there but nonetheless. Legit, yeah, there's, there's legit. It wasn't slang. It wasn't profane or crass. There's a legit. You took a translation and everything. Yeah, I mean, we were literally doing biblical exegesis. Yes, okay? <laughs> I know. That's what's great about it. <laughs> You can't get that anywhere else, folks. 42 minutes, and that's what stood out to Erzin. All right? That's what stood out. Aaron. I think what stood out to me was uh, the discussion that we had on everybody's caving. Everybody's caving. That was the first thing that we talked about. And uh, for all the political capital that Donald Trump gained or the win that he had, uh, and now he's just going to give the Democrats apparently everything that they want. Which they don't seem willing to take. Which they don't seem willing to take. <laughs> Everything's stupid. You're racist for pandering to me like that. That's, how dare you give me what everything I've asked for and three times more, bigot. It was like, I saw a, few, it on fire. I saw a few tweets yesterday. Vince McMahon's going to bring back the XFL. And he said that no, um, no, no players with prior criminal histories are going to be allowed in, in the league. And everybody's like, oh, that's racist. And then somebody's pointed out, you know, the people who are saying that's racist assume that only one race yes, exactly. is, is criminal. Oh, my God. Furthermore, that McMahon is now legitimately like a moral force in America now. You know, when he tried to do this the first time, it's like, come on, this is the NFL. What are you doing now? Now this is like the most sane thing anybody's right. trying. We now think it's a really good idea. Uh, he, I, I, The announcement he made yesterday 
which was we're gonna we're gonna do everything with football. We're not gonna do with football what made me extremely successful in my other uh, line of work. You guys buying that? Because I'm not buying that. All right. I'm not. But I do love that he talked about uh, our guys are going to stand for the national anthem. We're going to leave politics out of it. I I think I'm going to write a column for Monday for Conservative Review. Ten suggestions for the XFL. That's good. You like that? And and looking at it not just as a conservative, but as a guy who's a huge football fan. And if I were sitting in a room with Vince McMahon, what advice would I give him? Think that'd be a decent column? I think so. I, I, tweeted, probably... I tweeted yesterday, as long as he define, cl- defines clearly what a catch oh, is, gosh. he's, he's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. no that, doubt about that. could that. be like one through five, and then you could go from there. I mean, the NFL rejecting an ad from veterans, encouraging people to stand for the flag. I mean, other than the Republican Party, I have never seen a professional entity more go out of its way to alienate its primary customers than the NFL. It's it's stunning to watch. Stunning. Absolutely stunning. All right, let's get to your feedback. By the way, if you want to watch today's television show on CRTV, promo code DACE, use my last name, D-E-A-C-E, at CRTV.com, and you can watch today's show as well as all of our shows that we've ever done and the entire team here, including Ali Stuckey and the great one Mark Levin, as well as uh, Phil Robertson uh, from Duck Dynasty and so much more. CRTV.com, promo code DACE. All right, it's a Feedback Friday. Let's fire it up. This is from Jeff Payne, who has an operating theory on why the left hates Trump so much, right? Because, yeah, they hated Reagan, hated, hated Bush. Those guys, to them, probably represented an ideology that, in many cases, Trump represents no ideology. He just represents Trump. And so here's Jeff's operating theory about why they seem to hate Trump even more. To understand why the collectivist went bat crap crazy over the election of Trump, imagine, if you will, how devout Catholics would react if the College of Cardinals announced the new pope would be Creflo Dollar. (laughs) Whether he is a Christian or a fraud would not be the point. He is not a good Catholic and therefore should not be the head of the Catholic Church. To collectivists, whether Trump is a collectivist or a conservative, meaning his ideology isn't the point. It's that he's not a good collectivist, and that makes his presidency, therefore, an abomination. He is not one of us. To the collectivists, that America chose Trump over Hillary isn't just a bad hiring decision or even a political battle lost. It's a betrayal of the collectivist church by making a heretic its head. So have a little compassion for our poor collectivist neighbors. Their church has been betrayed and their God is dying. Your thoughts on that, gentlemen? Oh, I, their God is dying. I don't know. Uh, their God, we're talking about the progressive God. Their, their progressive God thrives on chaos. And I, I just got done saying on the television show that this whole uh, immigration thing is just a wash in chaos in both sides. So, the, the, it, Dying in the sense that perhaps its uh, eyes are more wide open than ever before. It's not just going to be rolling us like it has in the past. And there's a, a guy like Donald Trump who 
while he plays a lot of games, they're different games than the game players of the past in many respects. Uh, okay, uh, but don't don't overthink this. I still think it is actually, ironically, more. I mean, I just talked with a, a woman, a Democrat, who I'm close with, a good woman, but she's she said she talked about how George W. Bush and his his boy, you'd take him in a heartbeat now, wouldn't you? And I said, well, you would too, right? And, oh yeah, well, you were also calling him a threeocrat and a crazy. You know, this is just right. It, It'll happen again. You, you've how many times have you diagnosed it with uh, uh, McCain, Romney at all? Yeah. Where they're talked about, oh, these are the Republicans. I wish we could deal with, and they're not. It's um, it is more just standard. Yeah, I, see, I I don't buy the theory they hate Trump more. I just think Trump's persona, in and of itself, is 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 amplifies a hatred. There was Bush derangement syndrome, yeah. Palin derangement syndrome. Uh, I mean, Romney had binders full of women. All right, McCain, McCain, who tried, who lobbied to keep pro-life planks out of the Republican platform his entire career was going to shut down Planned Parenthood and make America the handmaid's tale right. before we even knew what that was. This is the game. Yeah. And if Trump simply, if Trump changed parties tomorrow. The game would change. It's just that's the game. That's it's the hatred of the other. Yes. Trump represents right now. He is the face of the other, and I, I think that's all that motivates. And I think it seems worse because Trump's persona internally is more combustible in response to it. Aaron, I think Jeff is on the right track here, but not as it pertains to a sign of of progressivism's God dying. He's on the right track in that progressivism. The, the, the locusts, when they have consumed everything around them, will eventually turn on themselves. We saw that, and I bring up again um, what was the the name of the porn star who killed herself because um, August August Ames Ames yes yeah, yeah. The progressives will always turn on themselves. I don't think Trump in this circumstance though is an indication of that. Next note, this comes from Dennis Whitworth, who says, you guys are right, the GOP needs to die, but the problem is the Democrats, as you say, are total leftists. We need enough opposition to keep them from totally running over everything with their agenda like they did in 2010. Other than that, the GOP needs to go the way of the Whigs, and the sooner the better. This is the conundrum we are in. The conundrum we are in is we do not have a political party that represents our interests. We do have a president who believes he's in office because of us. And as ticked as we collectively are at him right now on the immigration issue, has done some things to represent our interest that I saw the question the other day from um, someone who is still maintaining the mantle of never Trump. I do not, by the way. Can I, How many times do I have to repeat this? I... I, I, I I retired that mantle the day after the election. I'm not going to openly undermine a president. Well, Steve, you never liked what Obama... I didn't like... I didn't agree with Obama. I wasn't trying to undermine a president. I'm a business owner. I'm a dad. I'm a family. I'm a home owner. I want my... You're right. I want my business to fail and my home value to decrease because that's a winning combo. I didn't agree with the decisions he made, which resulted in more people on welfare than the total freaking population of Spain. I didn't agree with it. I didn't agree with weaponizing the government against my freedoms. I didn't agree with that. There's under Opposition is not undermining. I don't believe everybody opposing Trump is undermining him. If you're a liberal who doesn't agree with his policies, you're not undermining Trump. You're welcome, it's, it, you're welcome to oppose him. Undermining him, though, 
is when you're openly advocating things that you know will cause chaos and dissension in America for really no real policy goal, purely political ambition. Or when you are now for things you used to be against and against things you used to be for based on whether the name Trump is attached to them or not. I didn't suddenly become against killing Osama bin Laden because Obama gave the kill order, guys. Okay? But there is a movement of people in this country that if Trump did that with the head of Hezbollah, Hamas, Islamic State, Al-Qaeda, there is a group of Americans, some of them even calling themselves conservatives, who would say, oh, that's just wrong. That guy should have gotten a fair hearing. When before... If their kind of Republican or Obama had done it, wave the flag. It's a grand old flag. It's a high-flying flag and forever in peace may she wave. <laughs> All right? I freaking hate that stuff. I mean, I hate it. What's my new bio I updated on my Twitter account? I originally got in this to slay progressivism, and then I found something I hate more. You're a horse pucky. I hate it. I mean, hate. Hate's a really strong word, Steve. Underline it, italicize it, bold it. Put some pretty pastels. Hell, you can bedazzle it. I hate it with the heat of a thousand suns. I hate your bull bleep. I hate it. The game here is we're caught. We have a party that is communist and Marxist at its core. They are going to pursue those goals and aims with a reckless abandon. We have no party that represents our interest except when the current mercurial and, and egotistically driven and impossible to predict president decides today's a day that I need to repay the base of people that defied the system to get me elected. Like he did last week on HHS. And then you have a day like last night where he openly... Uh, proposes betraying all those people right back with giving the Democrats the biggest voter drive they could possibly ever imagine. And so we feel trapped. And the argument is the effort it would take to walk away from the Republican Party and build a new platform, what's left of America in the interim. I totally get that argument, man. Totally. And then the other argument is we're wasting time doing what we all know we need to do the longer we sit here and try and put Humpty Dumpty back together again. I get that argument as well. There's no easy calls here. Have you noticed we've been saying that a lot about a lot of different things? We're going to really have to give one another a lot of mercy and grace in the conscience department. Because there's I know if you have a Judeo-Christian worldview, you thrive on absolutes, cut and dried, right? Certainty. Certainty is the, is the home habitat, native habitat of your belief system. But when you are in a time of the judges like now and everything is what's wise in your own eyes, chaos reigns. There is not a lot of certainty. And it's, we're going to have to make some moral calculations and some gut calls and judgment calls and people that used to agree aren't going to all the time. On a personal note, I'll just go back to what happened late last year with Roy Moore. 
I don't want to believe that stuff is true. But if I didn't know him, I can see why people like Matt Walsh and Ben Shapiro looking at the preponderance of the evidence do. Now I could make, whether you see, whether you know Roy Moore as well as I do, my plumb line in determining whether you're a good person or not and one to be trusted. But that essentially makes whom out to be God? Roy Moore. Likewise, it's just as possible I am blinded by the fact I know him. As because I know him, I have an advantage that I know a personality you don't know. That's why I was willing to give, a, I'm willing to still, I give a lot of grace or mercy where this is concerned. I don't always, have not always gotten that in return. But see, the problem with my worldview says, I have to give grace and mercy even if I don't get it in return. That's a sucky deal. But then the alternative to that is hell. And then you realize it's really not that bad of a deal when you stop and look at it like that. We're going to have to, there's, we're going to have to give ourselves and one another a lot of mercy in the times in which we live. Because there's not a lot of certainty. There's not a lot of places to draw hard lines. I mean, right and wrong doesn't change. But how, how, how do the righteous live if the foundations be destroyed, is what the proverb says. The foundations are being destroyed. Right and wrong doesn't change. Our ability to live it out, however, is changing rapidly. And some of us are just going to have to make some gut check calls do the moral math in our head and say, that's the best I can do in the time of the judges. And other people are going to do the math and come to a different equation. And as long as we're not clearly violating a transcendent standard, we're going to have to agree to disagree with each other a lot. And several people come up to me last night. I did a speaking engagement on the other side of the state for some conservative activists here in Iowa. Several people listened to our podcast, came up to me, and they're like, love you guys. I never miss it. And then they goes, and several of them said, I, I don't agree with you all the time. And I said to every one of the people that told me that, okay, wh- why do you, why say that sheepishly? Why, why, why say that as if I have the expectation that you should? I don't agree with myself all the time. There have been times I've said things and then we've seen things play themselves out and I've had to say, yeah, I was wrong about that. You don't have, we don't have to agree with each other all the time. We don't. We don't. And I think we're going to have to come to peace with a lot with that a lot. You guys have a thought on that before we move on to the next note? Uh, just to echo the point of what you said about um, it's not going to be easy. Uh, but to quote... Um, the baseball coach Jimmy Dugan from a league of their own it's the hard that makes it great stop choosing the easy path all the time yeah the part about showing a lot of grace that's going to be the the hardest part for me because um, I like to when people I think have it wrong and I think I can make a case that they have it wrong I am just fine with going scorched earth Um, but I think the word about showing a lot of grace that's going to be the hardest part hardest thing to do but that's the most I think that's the most important part and I think that's the best um, best thing to do uh, when we encounter uh, some of these issues that come up on a um, really on a day to day basis anymore let's continue this is from Scott 
you guys recently talked about how the conversation devolves along the lines of how come you won't join us in losing it over Trump's moral failings instead of thanking him for the good things he's done for you. One interesting example of this was was what happened with the dust-up between David French of National Review and Joy Reid of MSNBC. Joy Reid tweets out that David French isn't worried about a nuclear war because it will only, quote, kill Democrats and minorities, unquote. An obvious lie. French never said this. French, someone you've disagreed with plenty lately and is pretty clearly against Trump for the most part, finds himself at the exact same spot, though, in this devolution. When someone who basically agrees with them on Trump's fitness for office is treated in that way, it is a clear indicator to observers that you simply can't engage in the discussion of his moral failings at all without running into the ulterior motive of the left, which is essentially join or die. So there's no point in doing so, even if you agree. Correct. In this context, in this application, Scott, you are correct. Now, the problem for those of us that call ourselves Christians is this isn't our home. It's not our specific context. So we are still called to say what is right, call what is right, right, and what is wrong, wrong, regardless of what the political backlash against the, from the culture may be at the time. Now, we can do some of those things effectively, shrewdly, or not so. Right? I would argue Tony Perkins on national television totally, totally throwing out a flawed hermeneutic that um, Christians only have to forgive twice because we only have two cheeks to turn in response to a failed question. What Tony should have done when, that, when, when asked, why won't Christians just forgive leftists like me that want to take away your freedoms and rights the way Christ told you to forgive? Uh, you're conflating confla- forgiveness with accountability. I bear no grudge against you on a human level whatsoever. But the same Saint, the same Saint Paul who preaches forgiveness all throughout his epistles in the New Testament also used his civil liberties as a Roman citizen to say, "Don't tread on me. I won't allow you to charge me with a crime without due process of law. I will be given a trial. I will be given a fair hearing. I am a Roman citizen, and as a Roman citizen, I am entitled to those rights, and I will actively utilize them." And he did. You have the exact same freedoms as an American citizen. You have the freedoms to petition your government to demand they protect your God-given rights. And you don't have to hate people that don't agree with your God-given rights in order to do so. Don't conflate policy with personality. Don't conflate an outcome with forgiveness. That's what Tony should have done. He should have taught theology. Instead, he played right along with the same failed political paradigm and then stood up there and used his platform. Could you imagine St. Paul ever standing up saying, we only have to forgive twice. No matter how many times the Romans persecute you, you only have to forgive twice because you only have two cheeks to turn. I would think that would have ever been said. That's terrible theology. Terrible. So there's ways to do this without looking foolish. And it's very simple. That's bad when it's bad. That's good when it's good. That's bad when it's bad. And that's good when it's good. And that's bad when it's bad. And that's good when it's good. Why is this so hard? Why? Because too many of you need your politicians to be a hero and rather than an employee. 
because we're idolaters of party, idolaters of politicians, idolaters of cable news networks. We're idolaters, period. Idolaters, period. I was told how many times last year was I told when I went on another network, I don't ever watch that network, only Fox tells the truth. Okay. Well, first of all, I don't watch like any of these networks unless I'm on because I'm not really a huge fan of cable news in general. I would tend to trust Fox more because it's not openly hostile to my belief system, but that's also not a moral absolute. It's a default setting. It's a benefit of the doubt, but it's not a moral absolute. I mean, if you saw what happened with Sean Hannity in his own show last night, you know why it's not a moral absolute, okay? Because that was a clown act. And then I would respond to these people, okay, so Fox is the only network you trusted, and you're also telling me that Bill O'Reilly... And all these people they fired for misconduct were treated unfairly. So you think the only trustworthy network is firing their most high-priced talent unfairly, and yet you still trust them? Can you, can you explain that to me? Do you understand how you make that, do that math in your head? Again. It makes no sense unless you're, an, yeah, you're, you're just an idolater. That's all. You're the people that, you're the people when I first started out in radio, doing sports talk radio, and the first big controversy I ever encountered is a, is Iowa star basketball player raped a women's basketball player. And he was kicked off the team for a year, but he was redshirted so he wouldn't lose a year of eligibility and given, kept his scholarship. And then he came right back on the team, like nothing happened. And I did not agree with that at all. And I had a very well-known Iowa booster call me on the phone that day before I went on, one day before I went on the air, he's screaming at me, cussing me out on the phone at my office. I hope you enjoy kissing Iowa State's ass. They're just a bunch of farmers. All the doctors and lawyers, the people that make a good living that can actually buy your advertisers' goods are all Iowa fans. You're going to lose them all. And Iowa State fans called me up, man. Thank you for holding the line. Thank you for the standard you're holding up. Thank you for standing up for our women, yada, yada, yada. Year and a half later, that same player got busted for another assault and was eventually dismissed from the Iowa team altogether. And then a year after that, an Iowa State star football player got offended at something one of his students said and beat him up badly over $4 in a cell phone. I mean, and this kid that he beat up was 90 pounds soaking wet, and he was a monster physically. Went to jail, I believe it was for eight months in the Pope. Gets out. Now, by this time, I own an Iowa State magazine and website. I'm a booster. I'm close friends with the football coach, Dan McCarney, who shares the same birthday as me, July 28th. I've been a guest in Dan's home multiple times, as has my wife, my oldest daughter at the time. Got pictures in my house of Dan McCartney with my kids. I love Dan to this day, still do. But I did not agree with taking a guy eight months out of the poke and putting him right back on scholarship like nothing happened. And I said so publicly on the radio. Dan didn't like that. I respect that. We don't have to agree. And my concern all along was, what would happen when football and the discipline that being a full-time football player requires, when that's gone? That's why I thought Jason Berryman needed a year to get back ingratiated on campus. 
You get He gets out of the poke in the summer. You put him on scholarship, he goes right into football practice. Well, the amount of time it takes to stay eligible in the practice, it's easy to stay disciplined September through December, guys. You don't have enough free time in the day anyway. It's like it's a little bit hard. Let's just keep it real, guys. When your wife, when you and your wife are having sex regularly, it's a lot harder to cheat on her. Only so many bullets in the chamber, bro. It's a lot easier to cheat on her when you're not, right? There's a certain practical matter there. Can I get a witness on that, Todd? <laughs> Same thing with Jason Berryman. Real easy to tell me he's clean when he's practicing 30 hours a week and, going, and doing school the other 20. Barely time to breathe, man. And I said at the time, let's find out what this looks like in January. What happened in January, Todd? You were working at the paper. You remember what happened. Another assault kicked out of school weeks after the season ended. Funny thing happened. Those same Iowa fans who lost their poop when I called out their point guard, Pierre Pierce, suddenly called me to tell me what a great job you did standing up for what you know is right. And those same Iowa State fans who credited me for standing up to the University of Iowa over Pierre Pierce called me up to say they're going to cancel their subscriptions to Cyclone Nation because I don't believe in second chances and grace and I'm not a real Christian after all. I've lived out that episode in my career almost daily ever since. Doesn't matter whether I'm on Salem, CR, Westwood One, USA Network, MSNBC, Fox, CNN. Hell, as I came in this morning, Aaron, you were telling Todd what? Somebody had uh, tweeted at me something about how you're going to become a Trumpkin by uh, 2020. That's his term, or Trump humper, something like that. And the same person has tweeted me several times before, uh, it's clear that he or she thinks that you are a Trumpkin now. And I, uh, I, I quoted that tweet and said something. So here's one guy who thinks you're a Trumpkin. And then somebody else replies and says, that's funny. Because Steve is virulently anti-Trump. This goes on hourly, <laughs> hourly on our social media for a couple of years now. I'm not anti-Trump. I'm anti-open borders and, dem- and, and giving hundreds of thousands of new voters to a political party that wants to end my way of life. I'm against that. And so when Trump proposes that last night, guess what I'm against? His proposal. I am not pro-Trump. I am pro-First Amendment. I'm pro-rights of conscience. I'm pro-Constitution. So when Trump orders the government to actually defend my God-given rights rather than target them, guess what I'm in favor of? Trump doing that. Why is this hard? It only becomes hard because of our idolatry. So clearly, in the instance Scott is emailing us about, Joy Reid did a total hatchet job on David French. But Joy Reid and Hatchet job, that's the Department of Redundancy Department, okay? She thinks the press has a conservative bias. Yes, indeed. What she did to him was not fair. But because that there's a risk for David French or Steve Dace or anybody else that the same thing will happen to you, Fear not the one who can destroy the body or the reputation or the social media following or the career ambitions. Fear the one who can do all those things, but then also cast the soul into hell. See, at the end of days, none of us are going to stand up and give an account for the way we lived our lives to joy flipping read. Okay? We're going to stand in front of the most powerful being in the cosmos. And I'm guessing you ain't going to buy the argument 
I didn't do what you told me to do because I was afraid Joy Reid would lie about me on MSNBC for three minutes. Well, that when I even when I verbalize that, how's that sound? Just verbalizing verbalizing our idolatry out loud. Does it sound logical? Does it sound like something when you actually say it out loud? You're like, well, I can solely see why somebody would go go with that. It doesn't sound logical at all, does it? Frankly, it sounds freaking insane. And that's what idolatry does. It makes cowards and crazies of us all. So, if Joy Reid does to you what she tried to do to David French, you do what David French did. You and your allies push back on it with maximum prejudice. And there will be some that will give you the benefit of the doubt because they know better. There will be some that originally bought into it and then will realize how foolish it is when the other side's presented. And then there will be some who want to believe it, and so there's nothing you can say differently and will continue doing so. And about them, Jesus said, kick off the dust of your sandals and move on to the next town. It is what it is. The struggle here that we are having, we're not allowed to change our standards because the rest of the world is. That's where the tension is in our community. Is there's this notion that we change our standard because everybody else is. That's actually the time and place where, we, where the world needs our standard the most, guys. Well, Steve, we can't win that way. Define win. Listen, I'm very appreciative of what Trump did on HHS last week. Have I not expressed that gratitude? Have I done that plenty, yes, do you think? for sure. However, given where our culture is at and the way Trump was left to do it, since it's not a statute, since our Republican Congress won't act to defend our First Amendment rights, what happens when the Pharaoh who knows not Joseph takes over 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue? What do you think they'll do with Trump's executive order urging HHS to protect our rights of conscience? What do you think they'll do? The opposite. They'll do the opposite. That's not the system our founders intended. They did not intend for our God-given rights to be up for grabs by fiat every election. Here's the new law, boo-boo. Smarter than the average bear. Here are your new rights. And they change every two, four, or six years. That, that's not what we're supposed to have here, guys. That's freaking France. That's why I got 27 constitutions, okay? We're not, this isn't a banana republic. Although we have to, be, we even have to, when we're doing the right thing, we have to behave like one. You sure it's not a banana republic? Uh, we're getting there, if not. I like bananas, though, but that's a topic for another day. Mm, bananas. <laughs> All right, so while I greatly appreciate what President Trump did, the way it had to be done, because we don't have a political party that represents us that will, that will put this up at the statute level, and then when some federal judge you know, in some armpit of communist, communist uh, New America decides they're going to try to make it different for everybody else, flips them the bird and says, we're ripping your funding and impeachment of your asses tomorrow, you don't get to rewrite the Constitution. Instead, it punk slaps you hard. How you like them apples? We don't have a political party that does that stuff. We don't have a political party that says, don't fire till you see the whites of their eyes. Republicans would have cut a deal with King George before we got to Lexington and Concord, okay? And then told us, this is still better than what you would have gotten if King George would have just been given everything. And you'd be like, well, you kind of gave him everything. Well, it's not everything. Well, it might as well be. That's the Republican Party. We don't have a party. And so even when Trump does the right thing, he has to do it with a methodology that in the long run will be also used to undo us.
The next president, the previous president had a pen and a phone. This one does. So will the next. Pray it's one that you like the handwriting for. Otherwise, the writing is on the wall. That doesn't end well. That goes to this email I want to share. Uh, this is from Kirk. You are very hard-lined for me. As a Trump supporter from day one, I was tired of polished speeches, a poll-tested BS. I grew up a Democrat, quickly became a libertarian. I never voted for any Bush, as I thought they were part of the problems we have. Now we have a dilemma about this prostitute story or whatever Trump is supposed to have done that someone is willing to look past. The left will never apply these rules to their side, but they will use moral indignation against the right. Does that mean I like what was claimed to have happened? Not at all. I don't like people who cheat. I'm married with my own daughter. But the rules should be accusations don't count, convictions do, settlements do, people can be forgiven, statute of limitations might be good. What I do care, what, what, what do I care what a 70-year-old man did at 18 or at 22 or 10 years ago, especially if he did not get convicted and if he is not that person anymore? We conservatives are in trouble. Florida has 100,000 more Puerto Rican people that are being registered to vote right now, and they will throw an election to the Democrats. And they will vote on letting one and a half million ex-cons vote in 2018 so they can vote in 2020. Mostly all voting Democrat. We are on the verge of turning blue as a country by illegal immigration and direct abuses against the system. We will go the way of California. And your point about this religious leader not attacking Trump over a past misdeed is what? Does the other side care? Your point on not lowering our standards is important, but voting for someone is not endorsing everything they ever did and will do. Allowing your opponent to get into the public's head with this stuff is exactly why Roy Moore lost. Finally, so what's the point? Attack our side with cameras and mics on, but never get the same chance to go at the other side. Let the media ask everyone, what about Trump and blank? Because you have to be honest and say it's horrible, but they won't ask a single Democrat, what about the deleted FBI text? Or do you think the FBI has been politicized? At a certain point, team sports is the only way to win the election. Lose enough elections, we lose the country. It may be lost already, we will see. Kirk, I agree with all of your sentiments. You have correctly diagnosed the situation. Here's where we disagree, and we actually don't disagree where you think we do. Did I not just write a column last week on why evangelicals don't have to be ashamed to support Trump if he's actually doing the stuff he promised? Did I not just write that column? You did. Yep. Did we not just do like two podcasts along those lines? We did. Have you guys not been here in the studio when I've done interviews like on Fox News Radio communicating this to a pro-Trump audience? Have you guys heard those interviews? Were you here for it? Yes, them? that is correct. Okay. To me, the moral compromise is when you say Trump's God's anointed, he's not. Uh, he's Nebuchadnezzar, better hope not. Uh, he's Cheeto Jesus, no such thing. That's a fake idol. And, and I need him to be that to, ju to justify voting for him. You don't need him to be any of those things. I said all during the election, if your standard is Hillary's a communist, I got to vote against her. When did we ever argue about that once, gentlemen? One time did we argue about that? Never. No. In fact, we were urging people to use that standard, but did we often hear that standard? Or did we hear, he's the last freaking son of Krypton? Jesus parted, I mean, Jesus parted the Red Sea. This guy do it three times faster. That's the kind of stuff we heard. He's America's savior. No, he's not. I'm going to push back against that stuff too.
On the other hand, you've been asked to vote for a lot of compromised politicians in the fa- in the past. I'll make up your own mind whether you like their compromises better or worse than the compromises Trump presented to the table. But then after you voted for them, once they got into office, how much did they pay off? What did George W. Bush really do for you guys? What did he really do for us? Do you know? Really? Uh, set aside uh, 9-11. It got uh, bad quickly. That's about it. I would argue Trump's already done far more for you in a year than Bush did in eight. I think Trump did more to protect religious liberty than Mitt Romney would have ever done. That was a question that was asked. Well, what has Trump done that any conventional Republican wouldn't have done? A year ago, eight months ago, I would have said not much, but things have changed. I don't believe there's any chance in hell, literally, Mitt Romney orders his Justice Department to investigate Planned Parenthood over those videos. I don't believe it. No way. No way. And I know damn well Mitt Romney would not have directed HHS to defend your conscience rights because he wouldn't do it when he was governor of Massachusetts when this happened over Obamacare. And he was openly lobbying the Arizona Republican governor a few years ago to not defend the First Amendment before we even got to this place. So if Trump's going to do the stuff he promised you he would do, you don't have to be ashamed for supporting him at all. The shame comes when you put up with all of his immorality to get nothing in return. That's where the shame comes. But if he's going to do the stuff he promised you he's going to do, nothing to be ashamed of. You made a moral calculation, and you know what? It worked. God bless you. I got nothing. I'm, I don't have bear a grudge against you. Now, when you try convincing me he's some kind of superhero person, human being, that's where you're going to lose me. But see, ultimately, so Kirk, you think I'm against making compromises. I'm not. I'm, not, I'm against making dumb ones. Ones that have proven to fail. And let me tell you what has proven to fail. What, we cannot beat the left at moral relativism. We can't. They're going to win that game every time. If we make this a team sport, I promise they will win. The demographics are in their favor. They own academia. They own the press. They own every institution of influence. They're going to clean our clocks. We can't beat them at their own game. We have to make them play our game. What's our game? Our game is not, well, I will vote for this pro-killing Republican because he's better than the Democrat and then watch him get in there and vote for all kinds of big government at the same time. Our game is make the other side ask, answer the question, when does life begin? This baby you're looking at right here on this sonogram, that's not a baby? Tell me what you think it is. We have to draw them into an arena that makes us the favorite. Clarity, certainty is our ally. Moral relativism, subjectivism, my team versus your team. Dude, I've seen the numbers. It does great for clicks, and it's why I'm not rich. But I promise you, you will lose what's left of this country this way. So cash as many checks as you can before the lights turn out. We can't win playing their game. We have to play ours. We're in this spot with all these double standards and everything else because for all these years we tried playing their game and it didn't work. We looked the other way with McCain just because he had an artist after his name. Every bit as liberal as Obama on numerous issues. But one guy was the Republican, so we, looked, we overlooked it. Mitt Romney gave Barack Obama his worst, most offensive idea before he had it. But if we didn't vote for him, man, we hated America or something. 
See, we're in this position, Kirk, because we've been taking to the extreme what you're advocating. What you're advocating, Kirk, doesn't work. What works is elevating the traditions and values that, that gave birth to this country. Not saying, hey, right, hey, we'll get back to him right now after we figure out how to, we had to, after we figure out how to cheat our way to a win right here. That doesn't work. Because ultimately, if I want moral subjectivism, if I want moral relativism, I'm going to go with the party that's going to give me more free money at the exact same time. You Republicans suck. You guys offer me a crap deal. You're offering me everything the Democrats are offering me, but the government check's not as big. Why would I take that deal, Todd? Do you know why I would take that deal? No, not if their bottom line is uh, Santa Claus. It's the same argument made in the church. Well, we need to water down the word of God because it offends too many people. Get as many people in here as we possibly can to give them some generic Christian message. And then, you know, then once we get them here, you know, then, then we'll, uh, you know, we'll teach them the real stuff. Do they ever teach them the real stuff once they get them there? Hmm. No. They just keep turning over the turnstiles. Cash in the check. Doesn't work. If we want to conserve the things we think are worth conserving, we have to stand up publicly for those things. Otherwise, all we are doing is playing a team sport. And since they get to rig the rules, they own the referees, the courts. They own the play-by-play announcers, the media. How many of those team sport games do you think you're going to win when the other team owns who tells the story of what's happening in the game and the referees who determine how the rules get interpreted. How many of those games do you think you're going to win? Zero. Pretty low number. Yeah. Final thoughts, Todd? Well, that was um, some heavy lifting there. We're still... Our learning curve needs to be quicker overall as conservatives. And that very much means stemming off of what we just talked about we, we gotta put away two legs good four legs bad and you have got to be willing to live in a world where you understand that a political loss has the has the potential for your voice ideologically and spiritually to be the loudest most succinct and most clear-headed it's ever been so put away once and for all, be better than Hillary. It's useless. It's soul-destroying. And as Steve said, try, yes, a harder way, but a better way of simply looking at what is being done, the fruit on the trees, and calling it what it is, no matter who it is. It's well said, Todd. Um, I would echo all of that. And I would say that we've gotten this question several times. How do you guys, something to the effect of how do you guys stay positive in this environment? Um, and I think it's, it's related to this question as well, because that type of question, I believe, is probably asked by someone uh, who maybe has politics out of perspective, who has it maybe a little bit higher on the list of priorities. It's important 
and following the culture is important and uh, standing up for it is important, but it's not the be-all, end-all. We have to get our priorities straight. And I think what Todd said about being a little bit quicker on the uptake, having a faster learning curve, I think that begins with making sure our priorities are in order for what really is important. Is it the horse race every day? Um, Is it what so-and-so said on thus-and-such network? Is that really what's important? Um, I think the answer to that question is no. And if you're finding yourself asking that question, I hope you come to the same same conclusion. That is well said. Thank you very much for tuning in today on our podcast here on Westwood One, powered by CRTV. Don't forget, if you want to watch the television show today, CRTV.com, promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E, is how you can do so. Everybody have a great weekend. Until Monday. John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like you.